0: The Q Affair Part 2 The Q Woo While some similarities to living people may exist in your mind on reading this novel, it is a work of fiction, so it's your problem if you have people like this in your life. Chapter 13 the Q networks growing on Twitter fascinated me now since I could see how they'd grown exponentially once they'd latched onto my account because I'd tweeted about the MAGA hat. They wanted MAGA content and nothing else it seemed. One tweet mentioning Trump positively, one red hat and a swarm arrived to engulf your timeline. Then you found yourself knee-deep in some of the most vile content you couldn't imagine anyone wanting to tweet. The tweets usually said something about how awful it was that such and such a thing was happening in America. And then you had to suffer a video of someone savagely beating someone else, or a bloody mess of something that you realised too late was an aborted fetus, chopped up. They couldn't get enough of violent content and tweeted and retweeted it, along with acres of praying hands or tiny church emojis until you were fed up of muting their tweets or having to block them only for more of them to appear, added to the first person's follower train of QAnon accounts. Uh, these were put on a list of Twitter handles that they tweeted out with the recipients who saw their names on the list, then following immediately like a recommendation. This, I supposed, was how the QAnon network was growing so fast. It was continuing to attract ever-growing numbers on YouTube as well, with some of the channels Jay insisted especially picked out by Q himself and some broadcasting around the clock for avid insomniac Q followers. Captain Nemo, Jay said, was one of these hand-selected by him as a main decoder. I'd never heard of him, but when I checked his channel out, I could see the quiet-spoken, rather dull little man was making a hit, since his subs were buying his health supplements. A bit as they had infopills, health supplements to support the channel. And he'd managed to buy himself and his family a houseboat as an indirect result from all the traffic his channel had attracted and the sales he'd turned it into. There were much bigger channels, something to suit all tastes, it seemed. And one of the most popular featured a faith healer who'd been an army medic, apparently, but now didn't even need surgical instruments to do the job anymore, just his faith in God to heal his ministry, and presumably Q and Trump, since the ideas were all the same mental slot for Q believers. Once I began to see how the network extended across Twitter and YouTube, and get an indication of how it was growing, I began to think it must be at the very least monitored by Trump's people. He surely could not have let it run its course without getting in there to take advantage of it and get it under his control, although I could grasp why he wouldn't outright take responsibility for its genesis if it was a psyop of some sort designed to garner more support than it had already for the next round of elections due in a year or so. It would be a wonderful way of keeping a huge swathe of his voters energised and controlling how they were thinking. There was that whole marketing aspect to it, managing voters' perceptions. Winning and all that good stuff, like a continuation of what they'd done through the boards initially with Pepe the Frog and the irreverent Kekistani nation humour of Donald supporting 8chan trolls helping to cook up the colourful and easily understood visual message memes for social media that helped win the last big battle in the elections for the God Emperor Trump to take his rightful place on the throne elected with God's blessing. Fandango, I noticed, was hanging out with one of these regular 8chan trolls who usually earned their fame in tiny circles of 8chan for seeding fake narratives that the mainstream sometimes picked up on and ran with as being true. This they thought of as having made it into the big time as a troll. Before long, The same guy was hanging out with Terence since Fandango was out of favour and Terence was flavour of the month for any troll wanting a lick of the troll rainbow. As you can gather, morals and truth didn't ever come into it if you were a real troll. Perhaps God came in different flavours when you started digging through the possible connections between Q and the ARG-style puzzles that the Discordian's magic number had materialised into. Another interview made me understand more how tailored to tastes and broad the appeal the whole operation was meant to be by its designers. Perhaps it went back to years before Kew himself had appeared on the stage, and I knew already how the original theosophy movement had sought to blend the boundaries between a variety of religions with, I supposed, some legitimacy, since this had been how new religions had always been introduced to populations, by a blending with, or grafting onto, existing belief systems since antiquity. I had been continuing to watch lift the curtain's show from time to time and a youtuber came up for interview on that that made me feel I was at last starting to see who was doing what and why with all the strange and wacky content and swarms of people behaving strangely on the different channels and indeed different platforms this guy gabe thorn was an ex priest and he'd been a cryptologist, too, for the NSA. That's if you wanted to believe that. I was never sure, since there were so many rumours of spies and three-letter agency shills here, there and everywhere in the truth-to-community, that it wasn't always possible to find out for sure who was what, unless it was someone whose identity you could verify. After a while talking to Jay, and reading about the Discordians and their strange ops, with numbers and coded language to further obscure any clear picture being formed, without one having to carry out a lot of research, and sticking your head down their various rabbit holes for a look around. You didn't know what to believe about anyone. However, this interviewee, Thorne, maintained that if you didn't do what they said, they throw you off a bridge. And he was doing a pretty good job of trying to persuade the host that the trolling which the show's host was constantly on the receiving end of was because of a network of people that he was annoying for not going along all the way with what they wanted him to do. The host who'd run various stories about the pizza parlour-loving, child-trafficking, evil cabal that was associated with Hillary Clinton's cult and was now associated, in truthers' minds, with pretty much anyone who was a Democrat, liberal, was not doing well enough in the going-along department, I took it, and was getting his warning. Was the thorn guy supposed to be a baddie or a goodie though, I wondered, as I'd worked out by now that you weren't supposed to think there was anything in between from all my time being tortured by Jay. There was only light and dark, good and evil, with anything you came across having to be put into one category or another quickly in your thinking, with the only difficulty being deciding which a thing was, because it could be deceiving you like a demon attacking, and be really a bad thing, trying to look good, because evil is deceptive. In the latter case, you'd better pray there was an expert YouTuber nearby, whose information you trusted, to guide you to the the truth and help you decide which. Gabe was an expert on religion and expounded his beliefs for the elucidation of the host and listeners. His tasteful study with sets of shelves lined with posters, paintings and prints of spiritual and mythological subjects promised to be less standard truth affair than the fundamentalist Christian outlook favoured by Desiree and Colonel Peter's channels. His apparently was some kind of Steinerist view with a twist on it and a new name he'd come up with himself. As he spoke he mentioned his website and I took a tour of that to see what that was about. Steiner I didn't know much about except that he was theosophical in outlook early on before breaking away to do his own thing and was into mystery religions, with other ideas in the mix as well, like New Age channelling of energies you couldn't see but could sense. And Anything Goes, as La Madame Blavatsky would say, and mixtures of other New Age fluffy hippie type esoteric stuff in the mix as well, that covered such a wide range of beliefs in all sorts of weirdness that were only limited by your own imagination with hedonism the main aim as far as I could see, I pictured women cavorting about in long wispy scarves till it all came to a bad end from overindulgence in the dance with a squawk and sudden screech of breaks. When he said on being questioned by the host who Desiree now frequently disparagingly called the gay taxi man, on her videos, that he knew Terence. I thought, yes, I'm seeing that, yes indeedy, because of course his obviously extensive knowledge of all things esoteric, indeed occultic, would have been the perfect foil to Terence's political and artistic knowledge if the two friends had built the puzzle's design between the two of them. I could see them being far ahead of any of the other truthers I'd come across in terms of their sophistication in understanding and their general command of the topics, not to mention of the people they were being interviewed by. Thorn had exactly the same arrogance on display as Terence and was clearly someone who liked being in charge, even while conscious of needing to hide it. To persuade his audience, he was a humble, enlightened guy, not a little Napoleon. They'd fallen out by the looks of this interview, as I got the definite impression he meant Terence or his friends when mentioning bridges and Dedalusian-style flights gone very wrong. I'd never heard Fandango mention him, but with the Fight Club-type secrecy rules, he wouldn't have. Now it seems we were to get drip-fed bits of info on different channels. Or it would just spill out all at once, maybe, like a Slurpee with a loose cap working its way free as you sped towards the church while it jiggled under your rosary beads on the dashboard cup holder, live streaming your distress. I hoped it would, and soon, because Jay had gone from erratic and paranoid to full-on angry with me in a way that was increasingly alarming and there was no calming him down. He'd not got the compliance from me he'd expected in terms of conversion to all his strange beliefs, and with none of the devices he employed to make me feel guilty about not having faith in him seeming to have much effect on my still clearly brainwashed frame of mind, he raged at me. One night, after a conversation about God and my lack of faith had escalated from initially a reasonably civilised and enjoyable discussion of sacred geometry into a full-on rage brought on by my arguing a point with them that I didn't believe that the presence of patterns in nature proved the existence of God as he maintained He signalled his growing frustrations by bombarding me with scriptural quotes, which he knew I hated him doing. He accused me of having none of the Christian virtues. Love is patient. Love is kind, he began. I knew I was in for it and there was no stopping him. I was going to hear how evil I was because he told me his views on dark and light often. What was evil got punished, Q was the punisher, and the cabal members deserved to be dragged out and lynched in the streets or hanged from lamp lamp posts. The punisher would see to that. I presumed I was to be punished by being bashed with the Bible, bigly, as Trump would say. I listened politely to the rest of the quote. No point arguing with the fool. Determined to punish himself. I was sad, though, sad to see him destroy something which I'd liked so much, just out of rage that I would not or could not be something other than myself to please him. I felt both disgusted at him and sorry for him. There was no point asking him if he was angry with me to see if I could then help him calm down a bit because he always denied being angry when asked. It was always frustration with me that I was misunderstanding him, not seeing it clearly. I waited for him to finish the quote, then go through the list of virtues individually, telling me why I didn't have each one, giving me instances of my behaviour, which proved each point true as he went through it again. And I had some hope he'd quieten down, as he sometimes did when he eventually wore himself out. No patience. No kindness. Envious. Rude. Arrogant. Irritable. Resentful. Controlling. Evil. No faith. No love. Not a single virtue. Not one, I ventured. No, not one. I wasn't surprised, as when he was angry, he couldn't find anything positive to say about me. You were either all good or all bad. When with them, and often flipped suddenly to being one or the other, but never a mixture of the two. I'd tried calming him down during tirades before, by trying to get him to think of something nice about me, to interrupt the venting a bit, with the reminder of a more rounded person, a person he'd expressed love for, not twenty minutes before. And he'd said no then, that I was just a cruel woman who didn't love him and wanted to hurt him, didn't care that I was making him suffer by not believing him. I was evil through and through and enjoyed his suffering. I'd felt bad for him at first until I saw a pattern begin to emerge and I'd started to realise that usually he was the one who had initiated the trouble and who seemed to be enjoying it particularly if I said it hurt me to see him hurting. Now that I was getting wiser to the fact that he enjoyed the pain he was inflicting and enjoyed arguing, conjuring the arguments up from nowhere, I didn't take him too personally anymore. And I think he knew this. I did speak up, though. I said this time, as this was the furthest he'd ever gone in his way of speaking to me, That if he continued to speak to me that way, I would have to leave, as it was in danger of becoming an abusive pattern of a behaviour that he was settling into, and that wasn't okay with me. In fact, I thought to myself, I could see it had in his mind already established itself as being something I would put up with since I loved him. He threatened me then said that he'd get the QAnons after me. How would you like it, he asked, if I just gave all our private comms here over to the QAnons down on 8chan and told them to do as they wished with the information. How'd you like that, hmm? I was stunned. The thought flashed across my mind. What if he is Q? I thought of some of the crazies I'd come across on that board. I knew some of them would believe anything Q said. They adored Q, and even the ones that weren't completely crazy. If there was such a thing as a Q believer that was sane, and just playing along with the LARP for fun, as well as the more serious nut, even the average Q follower there struck me as the type that was pretty malicious, and would go after any name that Q cared to put in what he called his kill box. If your name went inside those square brackets in a Q drop, you were looking at some serious psychopaths wanting to kill you, or at the very least, make your life a living hell. I realised I'd actually come pretty far in the faith and Q department when I started feeling cold inside, like someone had shoved an ice pop down my backbone, or made me drink a giant Slurpee down in one gulp. You fecker, I thought, you evil bastard. It wasn't a nice moment. Pardon my French, dear reader. I said I had to go and got out of there. I was stunned for days. I couldn't believe how rotten it was what he'd said, and I'd no doubt about the hatred he was feeling when he said it. I was afraid of him now or of whatever he knew, whoever he knew, down on the boards. Because even if he wasn't Q, he probably knew some of these psychos, and he had a way of telling stories. So all he'd really need was to tell some nutcase I was a spy, working against the interests of the president, and some nut or a gaggle of nuts were bound to volunteer to target me for patriotism or sport or whatever unhinged reason they fancied. What the hell was I going to do about it? Even if he wasn't Q, and was just one of the Discordians, He had access to a big secretive network of people from around the world with things like modern Satanism, porn and hunting animals for fun and, of course, trolling people online or off among their wholesome hobbies, some of whom he was bound to be able to draw on to help him go after me in a way I wouldn't enjoy at all. I couldn't ignore it. No point in going to the police, I thought when my wits had recovered enough from the shock and I'd unknown a bit by the next day. I'll sound like I'm babbling, talking about this person called Q that they've probably not even heard of and how he has all these friends online that love guns and violence, that think I'm a political enemy. They just will think I'm a crazy myself and suggest with pity in their eyes that i close the computer and take a nice walk maybe watch a movie later spend time with your family and friends just ignore him people say things walk away shh how would i hold off this crazy person from getting more crazy people after me i looked at my twitter notifications there were messages i'd have to go back in there i decided My best bet was to see what he was doing, before I panicked further. I couldn't do much anyway. I went back in there, taking a deep breath, not knowing what was going to happen next. All I knew was, he wasn't a guy you wanted to make angry, because he was going to punish you if he got angry. I dreaded it, but steeled myself and went in. As it happened, He had something else entirely on his mind. Terence had written to him to ask, Was he aware of the death threat Vandango had made? Had I seen Vandango's latest video myself? No, I said, not having seen any videos all day, since although I'd been off work, I'd found somehow I'd spent a lot of the day standing in the garden, meaning to trim back some raspberry bushes before the end of the season set in. But had just fiddled about, doing nothing of anything much, and the time had got away from me and the dark started closing in, forcing me back inside the house. Yes, he said, he threatened Terence's ex, the coward, and her children over the trademark to the puzzle which she currently has. Oh boy, I thought, it must be a virus going around this threatening people thing. I was slightly in awe of the fact he could be mentioning this with a gleeful tone while seeming to be entirely forgetting the threat he'd made to me just the night before. He seemed in quite a good mood and had a lot to tell me since Desiree had written back to him as well. I hadn't seen that video either. I asked, did she do a video? No, she hadn't done a video on that. Perhaps she was considering her narrative options. You know... He mused later, after he filled me in on the goings-on on YouTube. I was deeply hurt, you could call me abusive. Really very, very hurt. Oh, be careful, I thought to myself. Be very, very careful here with this man now. You have a nutcase on your hands, and you have to play the game with him, so that he thinks he is winning or he will become very, very angry, and whatever happens after that won't be good at all. I was convinced that he was a man with a lot of friends if he was Terence, and if he was Q, I was really in an extremely bad position if he got angry again. Finally, he'd managed to do what Desiree had failed to do, intimidate me with the threat of a whole army coming at me.